Welcome everyone to the Op Show, uh, where we bring you the trials and tribulations, the automations and collaborations from the world of DevOps and the greater developer experience. Today, I'm proud to welcome Wesley Faulkner, a developer relations and neurodiversity advocate for the likes of IBM and MongoDB. Wesley, welcome to the show. Did I miss anything? Nope, that's good. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, really excited to talk today about a lot of uh, diversity and inclusion um, in tech. And, you know, obviously it's a very pressing topic at the moment and a really important time to create change. What are some of the, th the approaches that you've been seeing that have been, that you think will be successful or that you're uh, looking at positively? Are there some leaders in tech that you think are taking the right steps in order to make lasting change? And it's not just kind of a greenwashing sort of uh, approach. Yeah, um, I actually had a conversation about this that I think that Microsoft is having a really, really good um, approach to making sure that they have lasting change. Uh, there's a couple things that they're doing. One is that they're recognized that as a company, them themselves are not perfect internally. So I think this is a different approach than some other companies where they say, um, we want to have change in government or policing or um, have a change in um, a policy that governs the populace. Um, but um, I think a lot of the, the focus should actually be internally about what changes that they need to make in order to support that same value system um, and it can't be just we need to listen more um, i think uh, listen more is is saying that they have to work to try to find these voices or to understand the recommendation i think in a lot of companies uh, people are speaking up uh, and i think what would work better is looking within and enabling those that have that are speaking to have more power so it's not the listening is the problem. Well, I mean, it is, but it's it's uh, the active muting of the voices. So what they need to do is not is, is remove those barriers, remove those obstacles uh, to allow those voices to be heard. Um, also companies that force people to sign NDAs uh, or, or non-disparagement clauses, um, because if you don't want someone to talk bad about your company, don't do bad stuff in your company. Um, and what it does is it has a silo effect. So let's say I have a bad experience at a company, I'm not allowed to say it. Um, I think I'm a one-off where there could be 200, 300 voices that have the same experience. But since we never hear of each other, we're never able to help influence that and start that conversation amongst ourselves, uh, it reduces the amount of the impact because it feels as one-off when it could be an active, like re re repetitive effect of the company and how they treat their employees. So um, having a strong statement about values within and with some teeth behind it is pretty much the, the, the best way to approach this. I've seen companies say that they'll donate or do matching funds. That's all good too, but that is in a way putting the onus on them saying, we'll give them money for them to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. um, but within a company, they actually, it's their domain. And so they do have the ability to make direct impact and they can spend some of that money instead of donating, which is good. If you can do both, that's great. But if 
if they only have that same sum of money, look internally to figure out how they can set out suss out racism and racist practices in their own company. And if the immediate like knee-jerk reaction is we don't have that problem, that just means that they are unaware of that problem. Um, and if they're unaware of that problem, spend money on the research to figure out what practices you have in hiring, promotion, pay scale, how HR complaints are being handled, um, how they're supporting their internal uh, employee research resource groups or ERGs or affinity mm -hmm. groups, figure out what they're, what, when complaints have been brought in through that system, how they've been handled. Um, actually do a holistic evaluation of the company and how um, different systemic processes could help uh, mute or um, amplify negative voices um, and actually do the work to fix those. And if that's gonna cost money, use the money that you would donate and use, use it internally to hire someone to figure that out and have a clear understanding, then get recommendations and then be very vocal about this. And this last part is important. Come up with the plan to how you're gonna implement those changes. Yeah, yeah, because it's not an easy change to make for a lot of organizations. It's this is, you know, since the beginning of a company and their culture, and it's hard to make these like widespread cultural changes without full buy-in, without the right, you know, empowering the right people. Uh, it's a, it's definitely a, a, you know, it's going to take a lot of work. Um, when you think about connecting you know, you mentioned, okay, like, yeah, some of these, it seems like you might be in isolation if you have a complaint or you have a suggestion and there might be other, do you think employee resource groups are one of the best ways to kind of connect people that are trying to enact change or actually be able to see what needs to be changed? That, that is one avenue where you can give you a higher probability of finding people who might be running into similar issues so that you can feel less alone. So that is a really great group. Um, but if the sponsorship is uh, not all the way up, if the buy-in is not there on the executive level, um, there could be a problem. There are several companies that have people who are in charge of DNI or diversity and inclusion efforts inside the company that usually works that works closely with these groups. Um, and if that person who helps with the transfer of information from what comes from these groups over to management and that have uh, the power to make change. If the person in that position who is that liaison doesn't have power, then it's just another recommendation system where people can just put information to die or to not be acted on. I think what like in the technology space, we are used to understanding technical debt of systems that are put in place that now being revisited need to be refactored or optimized. And it's a big, big undertaking to be able to take the system offline or do a giant overhaul. Um, people need to understand that that needs to be done with their culture and with uh, how they run business themselves. And uh, being unaware is just an excuse. Um, if you haven't done anything to actually look for the problems and having a person who has enough power to give context and perspective, um, then it's hard to make change. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, 
a lot of um, awareness that needs to come out of a place that you know it's it, it can be very difficult to spot for you know it can be hard for people to see what is going on when it's been like this for decades and now you know it, even if you have you can't you this is not like a duct tape sort of solution like okay we made an employee resource group now that's like that's solved it's it's got to have that buy-in from leaders and you know and actually a, a concerted effort is what you're saying to to go in and actually revamp some of these cultural aspects of the company to make sure that they are DEI or diversity equity equity inclusion right and it, it uh, you can see a lot of reflection and um, just in common terms of technology of how um, let's just say if you have an application and it has a blacklist and a whitelist mm -hmm. and how that can be offensive and people are like yeah that's how it is and but the context part is telling how why that's offensive of like black being bad and white being good and yeah. how that's pervasive and you need you need so just so people can see that and like eh, yeah i see it's a problem it's not a huge problem everybody does that kind of a thing so it's easy to shuck off that being a problem unless you have that context about how offensive it is and the same with like master slave in terms of relationships with like nodes for instance mm. how that's extremely uh offensive but they real then they have to say okay then we have to change all of our documentation then we have to change our API. Then we have to figure out how to support legacy calls with going forward. It's a huge, huge undertaking, but that work needs to be done. Uh, and that's just from like changing words that you're using and think about it in terms of how that was okay, how that was seen as okay to be put into the product. Uh, and so all of that has to be examined in that whole pipeline. And the lack of diversity, lack of inclusion is probably how that problem started, which means that the inception of how things are deliberated was flawed. And that you have to be able to recognize that, that the, the, the meat of where things come from, the heart of the product could come from maybe not intentionally racist or offensive, but because of the lack of inclusion of different perspectives, how that allows that to happen in a company. Yeah. Yeah, those are some good examples, I think, to look into like how ingrained where you, you you just, a lot of people would just gloss over it, but it's like, once you call them out, it's like, yeah, that's an obvious change that needs to be made and it'll take work. But um, I think that's one thing that you're always, you've, you've been very good at in our conversations is finding, calling out these very specific changes that can happen. And you know, I think a lot of companies need someone with that perspective that can just like, hey, look like that, that's weird. And, and yeah, and it'll it'll work. Uh, same with third-party applications too, right? Like you're a company and you want to buy a product. Do you look at that? Is that if if if, if diversity and inclusion and making sure you're not offending your employees? How are you vetting the the products that you're purchasing, right? Like if you're an enterprise company, you're like, well, we need to make sure security's there because security is very important to our business. Oh, we need to make sure that it's financially sound because we need to make sure that uh, we don't overpay or overspend. Or the company needs to have a track record of longevity or reaction. So all of those things is 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 considered a vetting process for bringing in third-party software. If it's so important to you as a company, you need to add these perspectives 
in the purchasing of the software or even your customer base saying, oh, they have a history of supporting racism, maybe you won't take them on as a client. Or when, when it comes in, when you check, your, you check their credit, you, you check their intention, you check how big a company, like their buying potential. If it's really important for diversity and inclusion, that should be part of your checks too and bring in new clients. It's every part of the company needs to be re-examined. Yeah, I guess you've seen that like in terms of examples of tech companies dropping clients that, you know, are, you know, like I think I've seen, you know, a calls to for GitHub to back out of supporting ICE mm-hmm. and, uh, and Amazon, I think just were they cutting a contract with one of the police, uh, the, the police departments in the U S or something like recently, yeah, they did, they did a one year pause on their facial recognition. Oh, right. Uh, IBM said that they're halting all face recognition products uh, and selling the general general uh, face recognition product, that kind of stuff. So there's several companies that are re-examining their uh, associations with other companies and some of their products themselves are, uh, they're being looked into. And like, I think also like Ben and Jerry's, I know that's kind of random. They really like stated exactly what they want in terms of reform. Um, so yeah, companies need to look at all their aspects of doing business and realize that it just comes down to money. Like I was saying, like, instead of donating that money, realize, hey, we're gonna lose some sales. So are you willing to make that sacrifice? Or we're gonna have to like not use any of these products. We can't find anything that fits. And so we have to commission something to be custom built for us. There's, there's, there's gonna be an expense and uh, you, you have to have a comm- commitment from every single level in order to really be committed. Yeah. 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 The, uh, I like how you set the expectations there too, because I think if you go into it, expectation setting is just one of the biggest things you could do because you then now you're not going to be surprised. You know, you know what it's going to take. You've, you've talked to the right people and now you can actually, now you're empowered to be able to make the decisions and spend the money that needs to happen. Um, so, you know, another thing, I mean, I guess, one of my thoughts too is like, and why does this matter so much in tech? And why is the conversation come to tech? Is it, is it the audience? Is it like the access, the power of these big tech companies, the audiences, is it, does it matter in this industry, you know, more than than any other industry right now? I'm going to say it matters everywhere, but the reason why there's a bigger focus on tech is because um, you can just look at the stock market and it shows that a lot of smaller companies, a lot of industries during this, the hardship of COVID, uh, there's a huge decline in all of these other verticals, but tech seems to be weathering the storm. Uh, the, in, a, in a time where people are losing their job and the unemployment rate is skyrocketing, um, tech companies are the ones still hiring. So the shift of power has moved over to tech to the, to the point where um, they're able to not only craft les- legislation because of their power and their involvement in X government, um, because governments know that the economy is kind of going with the tech companies. If a giant tech company moves into your area, like when Amazon was looking for XQ2, you can see how governments jumped and crawled over each other just to try to get the opportunity for Amazon to move that location because it is going to seem as a a widening their tax base. Uh, 
enriching the surrounding businesses around these companies and uh, employing their residents with uh, high paying jobs. Uh, so tech, the balance of power is moving more towards that direction and so goes the influence. And so if you're able to have some of the, the voices who are leading this charge uh, take a stance, um, it makes, it's, it's, it's more, more of an impactful statement and the actions uh, other companies will follow. Because if Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Google, if all these companies are able to make this change and make it work and be successful, it kind of removes the excuses. And um, by making, making such a large target saying, these are the customers we are accepting, this is the type of business we're gonna participate in, it is making a market to be good and to be um, on the, the right side of uh, equality and um, equity. Um, that's being a really big part of it. Uh, the other part of it is that um, the companies themselves, like the, the example that I talked about, the, like the master-slave, whitelist, blacklist, mm -hmm. uh, and how um, that was probably decided a long, long time ago. The, from where we are at this point in time, there are old products and, and looking at the course of innovation, innovation that usually comes from um, technology in the tech sector, it's important to get as much diversity in that stream so there's less of that I'll just call it technical guilt, um, debt, that yeah. technical debt or the or cultural debt or cultural debt, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's important to, to, to factor that in now so that um, as we iterate through these products and create new ones and um, let's face it, these products affect everybody and not just in this country, but all around the world. Mm -hmm. And so the, the more that we're able to influence that, uh, it's gonna help everyone. Um, some of them uh, explicitly and some implicitly just by the fact that there are more people in the room to, that helps make this decision. Like, I bet you don't know a vast majority of people who don't use a, a Google powered phone or an Apple powered phone. And so if you just take, take those two giant things that we use as people, generally speaking, all the time, and most of the people that we know use those, uh, those were influenced by the people in that room. So we just want to, it should, they should include more people to have a better impact um, in, in everybody's day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot about, I think after our first conversation, I think a lot about the, you know, the product teams and development teams and how that, you know, who's in the room and how they're thinking about things you know, it will eventually have su such an impact. And I think you mentioned one of the, one of the examples that came up, um, you know, years ago on like tracking your period on the Apple watch and like s some things that just kind of like go missing in technology or in product technology products, uh, that, you know, would have probably would have been thought about if the people in the room looked or acted or thought a little bit different. So I think that's, you know, are there other examples that you see that, you know, in, in products where, you know, the, the, this, this sort of like, there's been something missed. Oh yeah. There's tons. Like I'm sure everyone knows the, the Google photos example where yeah. they recognize people who are black as uh, gorillas. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's really offensive. Um, and some of this stuff is life threatening. This is not in tech, but, 
um, when they test safety belts or airbags, um, they only did it for a, a, a male at a certain height. And so when women drivers started using these new safety systems, it caused more fatalities because mm. they weren't included in, in either the testing or the input. Mm. Um, I, I think if um, th there are plenty of examples of this um, and some just seem very, very subtle, like um, getting a Band-Aid that matches my skin is a lot harder than you think it might, it should be, right? And, yeah. uh, and, and you got to think of like, why haven't there been a lot of hues and color changes for, for people? And like even um, like Face ID uh, in Asia, where they have always been wearing masks, how Face ID, but it was just added that it's able to recognize when you have a mask on and ask for your pin. So the, things like that is, is where like having people, more people in the room and inclusion would, could, can work around some of these problems uh, mm -hmm. and ma make it so that it's more accessible. Because let's say the, the mask thing, for example, um, that could have been there the whole time before COVID and no one would have noticed. And then someone put on a mask and say, hey, it's nice that it does this. Um, so being able to think about another, another region and or another culture helps your product overall and it keeps you from having to rapidly iterate to make these changes. One feature that I, I do wanna praise that, that shows that tech companies are listening, uh, on the Android operating system, there is uh, Android 10. You can turn on closed captionings for all audio. So uh, if there's no captioning provided by a video, you can turn this on, it'll listen to the audio and then put captions on the screen for you. Hmm. which is great accessibility for people uh, who may not have hearing loss or, or um, have, are totally deaf, or for someone who wants to watch a conference without waking up someone in, in the same room, or if you are uh, in an airport in a loud situation and you can't hear the audio. So, there, so doing these things that help for accessibility I don't want to say that they're only for the group that affects, it helps everybody and that benefit spreads. No, and even if you're using it or not, uh, like the uh, iPad, you touch it and it seems so simple, but then they discovered that making it more accessible by touching it allows for like two year olds to now do computing that, that was enabled by making it more accessible for other people. Yeah, yeah, I remember you were, and you were telling me about the the idea of like you know heart like the harsh curbs and then smoothing out the curbs not only allows mm. you know, someone in a wheelchair to go through but it's easier with a stroller and, so, and i like this trickle down effect of if you're the most thoughtful then actually everyone else is, is benefits as well and it's not just it's not just like hey we're doing this one-off thing it actually affects the entire ecosystem of what that product how that product may interact to, with its users yeah and um the, the the one fallacy is in terms of like most people won't use that or um or like it's just a small edge case um keep in mind that just because you feel like you are not part of the uh, you're not someone who would benefit from these solutions that that may not always be the case um i know someone who uh lost through carpetunnel, the use of their hand for a little bit. So one hand, they couldn't use their left hand, but they could only use their right. And being able to operate a phone one-handed was great. 
uh, they had to get a one-handed keyboard and or let's say that you become blinded um, or like you get into a car wreck and you can't use your legs anymore there are just because you feel like hey I'm able-bodied and so this doesn't affect me that might not always be the case and so it's not only for people now but it could be a future you that can benefit from these technologies yeah really good point so when you're thinking about you know bringing in those other perspectives onto your team or um you know is it i've I've heard a lot make the hire write the check you know like is it is it about hiring um is it about you know let's say like the with the face mask example in East Asia and most people are wearing face masks already. Is it getting consultations from uh, people, you know, in other teams, if it's a big company, it might be people on other teams in other countries. Um, but is it like, is it, is it a hiring thing or what, what else do you see can be made, you know, as far as helping make these product, you know, perspectives, product team and development team perspectives more diverse. So it's hiring is one, yeah, bringing, bringing people in, but retention is really big too, to make sure that when you do hire, they keep them in um, and making sure that they have a voice uh, and they can speak up and that voice has power. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of times when you bring, uh, let's, I'll just use a general term of a minority. If you bring a minority in a room, let's say there's 20 people who are all the same, and then you bring them a minor minority and then the 20 people have an opinion and the 21st person has a dissenting opinion. Everyone's like, well, you're the only one who kind of has this opinion and it can get overrode mm -hmm. or muted or just seen as not an issue. Mm -hmm. And so just proportionally the person in the room who's the minority, I'm not even going to identify who that is, is almost certainly going to be in a position where they have a, they have a minority position and that in itself could feel or be interpreted uh, as not important. Like the person in the room who are making band-aids saying, hey, maybe we should do in different shades. You're like, ah, that's not really a huge customer base. We don't really worry about that. So um, that is important to make sure that even though that one person might be a dissenting uh, member of the group and might seem as though they're just preventing consens consensus, that they're slowing the whole process down, mm -hmm. uh, make sure that there are mechanisms in place to handle those situations. Um, because if, especially, let's say, like I said, the 20 people talk and then one person has a dissenting voice, the one person has to be able to have the, the feeling and the empowerment to be able to speak after knowing everyone else is on the same page. If, every, if that person who might be the dissenter was given the freedom to express their opinion first, then maybe they would be able to express it in a way and then people could start rethinking their position as it goes around the table. Um, but uh, th there are different ways of handling that. There may be blind voting, like everyone puts in their suggestions and then you pull them out and then people, then there's a, a, a conversation about the different suggestions so they don't influence each other. There's different ways of handling that, um, but just hiring someone is great. A lot of companies have efforts to hire diverse people, populations, both neurodiversity and of different backgrounds. Um, but you also have to look at the turnover. And um, I would say that if you look at the overall numbers from these diversity reports that tech companies file, uh, they might improve by 1%, maybe 3%. Um, but uh, these increases uh, need to be matched up into their actual hiring pipeline and their retention numbers. Uh, because if you have people in 
that try to make a difference and they get really put down or mm, shut uh, down or down, shut, yeah, then yeah it's just gonna demoralize that person and or like, yeah. not supported yeah it's yeah. like i can't i can't do this anymore i can't fight the good fight and then told that i'm wrong and uh bad systems ruin good people so you can you can hire as many good people as you want but if your system's bad uh it's just gonna just just hurt more people than helping your own company yeah yeah i've, I've seen this happen with uh, people going into companies that you know have a major diversity problem and everyone looks the same and everyone it's like you know basically it's all white males and in, in a tech company with like a thousand or two thousand employees and maybe there's you know only a few women on the entire team or something like this and you know someone try to go in and change that be the you know divert the you know dni advocate or leader and try to change that and just kind of get burnt out on it because of the lack of support it's like yeah well we just hire this person and everything gets fixed and it's like that's you know this is a not just a one year it's multi-year you know like you said full resources and commitment to actually induce that change in, in the way that you want it to and it's it's hard yeah it's hard it's hard it's it's uh you know i think people oftentimes get defensive um or you know afraid of the dialogue or you know it there's a lot of there's a lot of uh i guess misunderstanding and that's where the communication and and that dialogue can be really important yeah and i think some of the the traps for people who don't want to actually face and admit that these problems happen is they're like yes that is a problem we'll do changes they say that or yes we'll do changes in next quarter or they keep, and then they put off they put it off and they put it off and the employee stays waiting for the payoff they're like when is this going to happen they said it's going to happen it, it went all the way to the top and they say they're committed to this and it builds up this false hope that makes you fall that much further to the ground and mm. just really just tear you apart so a lot of companies do that too, where if there'd be one thing, it's like, we're not gonna listen to your suggestion. Uh, it's almost worse to say, oh yeah, that is really important and we're committed to that. And then nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, cause then you, then you start breaking the trust and you don't believe that you can actually trust the people that you're talking to anymore. And it, and maybe at that point, yeah, it's your, it's, uh, that once that trust is broken, I think you see it in a lot of different ways, especially in startups and, and uh, you know, it can really, that, that damages the culture. So, yeah. so, so, you know, especially in startups, it's, it's sometimes hard to recover. And it seems a, a sense of a false signal to all the other employees saying like, oh, wow, the company said they're gonna do something. And they're able to perpetuate this lie internally saying, well, the company does care about this issue. Uh, the mm -hmm. company is going to do something about this issue, but they forget and they don't circle back mentally. And so they, they're able to get all the good feelings from that statement, uh, but none of the results actually pan out. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned it um, recently, you know, the neurodiversity side of things. It's something that I think you pride yourself on and, and you'd like to talk about. I'd love to go into like, what is neurodiversity and, um, you know, why is it important? Neurodiversity is, uh, is a big umbrella term that encompasses a lot of things that kind of mean that people think, think differently and that can express yourself in several different ways. Um, usually the, the, the go-to um, version of this is people who have um, uh, 
who are autistic or on the autistic spectrum or Asperger's, you, you hear about that in terms of neurodiversity, but it could be a lot of different things uh, like dyslexia or ADHD. Uh, all of these kind of fit into the spectrum, but there's also ones that can not be necessarily what you're born with, but could be, can become acquired um, like different mental health issues like PTSD, for instance, uh, there's traumatic brain injury um, and neurodiversity can also not affect the way that you think really also like um, Tourette's um, where you might have some spasms um, but or, or uh, maybe some tics. But in terms of the way that you, you in terms of way you think, it's, it's closer to neurotypical than anything else. So neurodiversity is a giant umbrella term that means that you know, whatever you think is quote unquote normal, other people might have a different thinking process. And the reason why that's important is going back to the diversity thing I was telling you about the people in the room, uh, understanding uh, how processes affect them. Um, it's, uh, have you ever had a conversation where someone says something and then it's, it's a, and they, the other person takes it way out of context and this happens via text all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and having someone who's able to do that to see the same thing but maybe at a slightly different angle can find ways to mitigate problems or make things clearer uh, so that it affects and it, it helps more people so this this is kind of like pervasive in like your ui ux in your product um, this could go into your marketing uh, this can go into uh, your schema design to make sure that you're making putting in more use cases and more flexibility for future iterations of your product so uh, neurodiversity can help look at some of the same things just maybe at a different angle yeah yeah it's really interesting to think about too is i often think about it in like terms of at least in terms of the work styles aspect of it and you know they when you talk about this like diversity of opinion it's that's can be a big aspect it's comes back down to your brain and just like the experiences and the you know your experiences your memories your perspectives on things and how that all plays into the ways that you work and then the ways you think and then the ways you can contribute and neurodiversity is a, is a I don't know I, I haven't seen it as often out there um, and I think we've when we first talked about it that was one of the first times I've really seen it described in that way. And like you said, it's a big umbrella term, but also like very important way to think about how uh, the brain, how many, how, how to get different types of brains, you know, and different types of thinking all together so that you can, you know, you, you might find some really interesting things. Um, you know, have you found uh, other ways or other avenues or how, you know, when you think about the neurodiversity side of things, you know, what, what have you found or, you know, and, and how to engage that or even understand like the types of diversity you have on the team now based on, uh, you know, people's work styles or brain, you know, brain patterns, or is, have you found some novel or interesting ways that, uh, help people recognize what sort of, and how much neurodiversity they have on their team? Well, there's, um, I think if it's a company that encourages you to bring your whole self to the, to the, to the job, I think that helps. Uh, I think being able to speak out, like I, I, I keep going back to that, like being encouraged and being supported in that. Um, I think you could, 
even a few years ago, people who were colorblind maybe felt like they didn't have a voice. Yeah. But then they said, hey, I really don't. Sorry, but this button looks just like that button. Uh, so is there a way that we can use different colors that help more people? And then that got incorporated into UX design, for instance. Yeah. Um, and, and so if, if, you, if you're able to allow people to be different, to, 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 to be able to have these difference of opinions and different approaches, um, if there's a good way of sorting through those ideas, maybe through um, some value systems like t speed to market, cost of implementation, uh, incremental reach of how many people it will affect, like have some actual uh, some standards. Or, yeah. Some yeah. So you can say, hey, if we make this change, it won't hurt too much here. Instead of, like I said, if the people in the room saying, uh, I just don't think that's a big idea. I mean, or, 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 or big enough like change to warrant like putting some work in where people can able to, to say yes or no based on a gut reaction. Mm. Um, and if you can just find a way to quantify either the work or the benefit, I think that is a way that people can feel like, hey, I have this different perspective and I know it'll move this metric. And um, that, that would be a good way of incentivizing people to do continuous improvements on a product based on their own personal experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good point. I think there's probably, you know what, I mean, for, for the, for let's say like they're, 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 you're going to encounter for someone who's trying to, you know, enact these change, you know, changes in, in diversity in their team, you might, you, you'll definitely encounter, let's say the naysayers or people that don't see the business value or, you know, what, what are ways that are like, I don't know how to track this, or maybe like there's, you know, are, are there other kind of yeah, frameworks or formats that you have, like say, like, here's like a checklist of way, you know, ways that we should go through to make sure this is, uh, you know, an equitable and accessible product or feature, or, you know, what's something that like, is there, have you seen things out there that like any product or development team could have to, to make sure that they always go through this process? Um, well, that's really going to depend on the structure. Um, a, a couple things you can do to help bring forth this change is to have uh, a serious conversation saying, all right, I looked at the past, right? You can't dispute the future. I mean, because you don't know what will come up. But if you bring evidence to the past and saying this was greenlit and this was not, what is the structure that, it, that allows this to happen and make the person who approves it actually articulate that thinking um so like oh well it's just that not many people are going to use that and then you're like oh really what is this what is the statistical model and source that you use to determine that answer and like oh well it's just gut feeling then you could say okay so are you able to now like agree that when if most people are this percentage won't use it then it should be not used and if this percentage does use it it should be used do you agree to that what percentage is that and have them nail down that figure from there in that conversation then actually pull source and saying here are the numbers right and this one that was greenlitted fell below your threshold this one so like and they're like uh well it should be done and then that brings up another thing of saying like well if this got greenlit tell me why why is it important if it below if it goes below this threshold and it still got done why is that and then that is a process of like putting some 
some some some solid black lines around these features uh, that need to put it that that uh, need to be put in or the approval process. Um, the other way is to, um, if you're an individual and you want to try to amplify your voice, is to find a buddy that has some of the same uh, thinking um, and be able to have these conversations to see, like, is it me or does this not make sense? Or are you noticing this too? So it's part of a, a support system for doing a sanity check. And also if you present an idea and it gets shut down, that someone else is that other voice, which it, you don't feel like you're such the, the center. Um, mm -hmm. And, and um, this, this is all in a controlled situation. Uh, in open source projects, uh, there are ways to put systems in place like uh, blind assessments where you can remove like names and other things that can indicate um, some bias. So remove the bias from the, from the process of looking at ideas. Um, there are uh, other tools in which um, like group voting might be one and um, some weighted opinions where maybe if someone is, uh, uh, has a minority opinion, maybe you give them more votes. Uh, or make their votes weight, uh, cost more uh, or, or worth more for them when they participate that it swings it a little bit more. Um, those are some tools, but it all depends on the way the, your workflow and the, the, the environment that you're trying to, to change. Yeah. I like the, I, the uh, voting, the, like the anonymous voting. Have you seen uh, like any tech tools that, you know, do that really well or? Um, no, unfortunately, no. That's usually it's all custom built. Okay. Um, um, the, or, or, um, you can, um, you could do this almost automatically if you have something like, um, uh, like Jira, um, mm -hmm. just make some fields on like, um, only accessible to the reviewer. You can, you can, but it, it's all customization out of the box. This is not something that is generally available, um, from a product that I can recommend. Yeah. Uh, but, but usually if you can, depending on where you put the fields or how you have in submissions, uh, you can kind of cobble something together. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a future startup idea for you or <laughs> I feel like it, with all the product, uh, you know, the, the, the vast scope of product, well, the wealth of information and knowledge that you have, you'd be a great PM building something. Thanks. But also like I was saying about the large tech companies, if they start demanding tools like this, then that's building a market for giving space that someone can build a company based on this small niche thing that could help other companies. Uh, so uh, this is what I was meaning, like the influence of tech. It's a lot, it makes a lot of space and it helps, helps people grow uh, if everyone is kind of being pushed in that direction because they have to solve these problems. And that's where real innovation really happens when you give space for that and you make a market for that kind of uh, product. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well said. Um, anything else on your mind? Uh, is there anything else that, you know, like uh, I'm also thinking about other, other, you know, leaders or companies that, you know, places that people can go to get more information on doing a lot of the things we just talked about? Um, I would say also keep in mind that if, if you're a company, you're a person in a company, you're a person who has power in a company, that um, you need to widen your bubble, not only in the company, but in your personal life, private life, uh, in, in your social life, in your sports life, whatever you do for fun, once 
the way that you are engaging. Try to like open your bubble a little bit and add some diversity in a lot of aspects in your life. Uh, in your thinking process, when you go to the grocery store, uh, wonder what you're gonna buy based on this lens of understanding you need to diversify and, and just expand your thinking. When you go to the bookstore, look, go into a different section that you wouldn't go. Um, if you're in an airport, walk into a store that you wouldn't normally walk into. Uh, there, there are ways of increasing diversity that, that goes beyond the scope of your workplace and the, the people. Um, try to diversify your, like, you, like if you never watched soccer, never watched golf, you never watched frisbee golf, you never watched, you know, like, uh, like all sports for, in a different language, just, you know, exercise your, your, your thinking by expanding your bubble on, especially if it's something you're doing regularly. Yeah, I love that, that it's this uh, kind of keeping this curiosity or this child's mind like alive and being open, you know, being curious and not defensive and keeping that sense of wonder in the world. That's a great, that's a great way to go out. Well, thank you so much, Wesley. Appreciate your time here. Um, where can people find you? Mainly on Twitter. So I'm Wesley83 on Twitter and um, I pretty much engage with anyone. So if you want to say hi to me, that's good there. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Wesley 83. You can find me there on LinkedIn too. If you want to look up my history or do some research, research on me. Um, but I do not accept. Um, what, what your intentions are and then let's let's start a dialogue um, but definitely twitter is my preferred platform all right thank you wesley and that's it for the op show today uh we'll be back next week